Sound of Football with your host, Colin Summer, brought to you by WHIP. What is going on, guys? It is Down to Football back with another episode. Hope everyone is doing well on this fine Tuesday. We just finished week nine of the NFL. We are more than, I believe, officially at the halfway point of the NFL season. Wow, things are going quick. A lot of crazy things happening. A lot of surprise teams. A lot of interesting games this week. A couple of upsets that we were not expecting. Really a great week of football. And it's going to be great going down the line. Let's jump right into it. Let's get on with our recap. So first off, we got the Ravens-Vikings game. Ravens take this one 34-31. Lamar Jackson having a quality day, 27 of 41 with 266 yards, three touchdowns, did throw two picks, so got to tighten up there, but overall good. Great part about his day, he had 21 carries for 100, or he he had 21 carries for 120 yards, very quality day from him on the ground uh, when, you know, other running backs aren't able to get it done. He is, but in this game's case, the other running backs were able to get some stuff done. Devonta Freeman had... I believe 13 carries for 79 yards. He also added two catches for four yards and a touchdown. Le'Veon Bell getting in the mix as well. 11 carries, 48 yards, and a touchdown. Overall, including Lamar Jackson, the team totaled 44 carries. I believe that is a season high for the team at least. Marquise Brown, nine catches, 116 yards. He's continuing his breakout season looking fantastic. Patrick Rickard and Devin DuVernay both had a receiving touchdown each. Devin DuVernay's touchdown was a wild acrobatics catch. Very good play from him. The defense, no sacks, no turnovers. They still win in overtime, but the defense was just not there today for the Ravens. Just simply did not show up. Kirk Cousins having a decent day uh, playing safe ball, it seems like. Kirk Cousins, 17 of 28 for 187 yards. Two touchdowns. Dalvin Cook. Had a very quality day, 17 carries for 110 yards. Not much receiving-wise for him. Justin Jefferson had three catches for 69 yards and a touchdown, one of which was a 50-yard touchdown. Adam Thielen only had two catches for six yards, but one of those catches, also a touchdown. The defense had two interceptions, three sacks, and the special teams also had a kick return touchdown by a rookie, and I don't know his name, but congrats to him. That concludes the Ravens-Vikings game. I almost said 49ers for some reason. Vikings, 31. Ravens take the win, 34. Chargers-Eagles, another very, very tight game came down to the end. The Chargers get this one 27-24. Justin Herbert looking fantastic in this one. 32-38, of 38, great completion percentage for 356 yards. Two touchdowns, added 14 yards on the ground, and another rushing touchdown. Overall, amazing day from him. Playing very, very clean football. Austin Eckler, not able to get much done on the ground. 17 carries for 59 yards and had three catches for 23 yards. Quiet day from him. Keenan Allen breaks his drought of 100, below 100 receiving yards. He goes for 12 catches, 104 yards. No touchdowns, but breaks the 100-yard barrier. Donald Parfam Jr. and Steven Anderson, both wide receivers for the Chargers. Not many people know them, but both of them caught a touchdown in this game. And the defense had one sack, no turnovers. Jalen Hurts, on the flip side of things, went 11 for 17, only completed 11 passes in this entire game. Clearly, they went run heavy in this one. Chargers susceptible susceptible to uh, decent run games. So, 
Again, 11 for 17, 162 yards and a touchdown for Jalen Hurts. Added 10 carries for 62 yards. Jordan Howard getting the bulk of the carries in Miles Sanders' absence. 17 carries for 71 yards and a touchdown. Boston Scott also had 10 carries for 40 yards. And Kenneth Gainwell also had a rushing touchdown. Devonta Smith having a very, very good rookie campaign. Five catches, 116 yards, and a touchdown. The defense had zero, zero sacks, zero turnovers. Not a lot from defenses this week. Just not much going on. But there was more defense in this game, regardless of the score. Steelers 29, Bears 27. A lot of controversial things happening. But Ben Roethlisberger goes 21 of 30 for 205 yards. Two touchdowns, Najee Harris. 22 carries for 62 yards. Not able to do much on the ground. He hasn't been entirely efficient on the ground this season, but he otherwise he does look good. Offensive line is playing eh. They've had some tough matchups. It's only so much he can do. But he has two, 62 rushing yards in this game, but touchdown, he had three catches for six, 16 yards. Pat Fryermuth, rookie tight end. Five catches for 43 yards and two touchdowns. Deontay Johnson leads the team with five catches for 56 yards. Defense had three sacks, one interception, and one fumble recovery. Justin Fields, I believe, deserved to win this game. He had a decent game, 17-29 for 291 yards. Had a touchdown and an interception. Eight carries for 45 yards as well. David Montgomery, first game back from a sprained knee. 13 carries for 63 yards. Looked very good. In his return, two catches for 17 yards for him as well. Cole Komet led the team in receptions and and yards. Six catches for 87 yards. No touchdowns. Allen Robinson having a very, very tough season. Can't get much going. Inconsistent quarterback play. He's a guy you just throw it up to. Hopefully Justin Fields understands that eventually and just you know starts saying screw it and throws it to him. He had four catches for 68 yards. Not much for him. Darnell Mooney had three catches for 41 yards and a touchdown. The defense had four sacks, a fumble recovery touchdown as well. No interceptions. Now, the story of this game was the refs. A lot of people believe that the Bears should have won this game. However, the refs were bailing out the Steelers big time. The most controversial call, and I just read about it today. Well, I knew about it last night, but I read more into it today. There was a play. It was after the play, Marsh. A defensive player for Chicago was running towards the sidelines. And he's passing the ref. And the ref looked like he literally stuck his hip out. And then the ref threw the flag immediately after the player made contact with him. It was completely unintentional. If anything, it was the ref's fault. And then next thing you know, the Bears get a flag for that. It was a very bad call. Uh, A lot of people are getting mad at refs. Refs have been terrible this year. It's the no fun league, it feels like. You have players who can't even celebrate sacks, can't celebrate anything anymore. Absolutely ridiculous. And that was just one of multiple times where the Steelers got bailed out. I've seen a lot of Steelers fans even saying, you know, wow, that's crazy. You know, they shouldn't be getting these calls. Unfortunate for the Bears and Justin Fields, who had a solid day. The Steelers do, unfortunately, take this one 29-27, but a lot of controversy. And I will be following it because it's an interesting thing. Uh, whether whether there's going to be a thing where refs get fined for making awful calls, you know, if players are going to get called for taunting that, and, and you know, maybe even fined for taunting calls, and if it's an incorrect call, it's only fair for the refs to get fined as well. But 
Those are the three games we recap for the week. Again, Ravens take down the Vikings 34-31. to Chargers withhold the Eagles 27-24. And the Steelers take down the Bears 29-27. Our outstanding performers of the week. Justin Herbert already mentioned 350-plus yards and three total touchdowns. Lamar Jackson also mentioned 250-plus passing yards, 100-plus rushing yards, and three total touchdowns and a win. Same with Justin Herbert, also got the win. Don't know why I didn't mention that. Carson Wentz, last quarterback for outstanding performers, 250-plus passing yards, three touchdowns, very quality day from him, and another win. For running backs, James Conner in place of Chase Edmonds, who got hurt very short into the game, went wild. 96 rushing yards, I believe, on 21 carries, two touchdowns on the ground. Also added five catches for 77 yards and another receiving touchdown. A breakout game for him this season. Should look for a lot of volume in the place of Edmonds if he misses time. It's looking like he is going to hit the short-term IL, or IR. IL is baseball. IR is football. Jonathan Taylor, the other running back, 19 carries for 172 yards, two touchdowns, two catches, 28 yards. Another amazing day from him. I'll talk a little more more about him later. Nick Chubb, very efficient on the ground as well. 14 carries for 137 yards and two touchdowns. Two catches for 26 yards. Not a great weekend for wide receivers. Marquise Brown and Keenan Allen, both 100-plus yards, but no one else really going above and beyond. You know, Cooper Cup had another good day, but not over 100 yards. So I'm giving this one to Marquise Brown and Keenan Allen. And for tight ends, all we really had was George Kittle, who had six catches and 101 yards and a touchdown in his return from the IR. Those are your outstanding performers for the week. And we move on to the post-trade deadline woes and my takeaways. Why do I say woes? Because this was a terrible deadline, and I will get to why. So the first thing I want to talk about, Deshaun Watson remains in Houston. I think a lot of people were expecting this. A lot of people are unsure with this whole investigation. I believe Roger Goodell has made it clear that there isn't really enough evidence to keep Deshaun Watson from not playing. Uh, I'm very shocked that Houston hasn't even thought about starting him yet. Uh, clearly, the investigation has gone nowhere. All these, uh, all these accounts of what he did and not much evidence. Now, I'm not one to speak on whether he's guilty or not. I have no judgment, but in regards to the NFL, that is what Roger Goodell is saying, and Houston does not ship him at the deadline. Dolphins are not there for him. Panthers are not there for him. Eagles are not there for him. He remains in Houston, along with Brandon Cooks as well, who a lot of people thought was going to get traded after Mark Ingram got traded, but Houston refuses, so nothing in Houston. Allen Robinson stays with the Bears. He could have been a very hot commodity at the deadline. An easy first round pick or early second round pick for him. Team could have gotten that. I believe a great team would have been the Patriots. Perfect for Mac Jones. A guy he can just trust to go up and get it. But unfortunately, Allen Robinson is going to stay with the Bears now for the rest of the season. Hopefully, Justin Fields starts to rely on him a bit more. Starts to trust him. You know, give him those, you know, Throw it up. Go get it. That's the type of player Allen Robinson is. But he is with the Bears at least until the end of the season under a franchise tag, I believe. Never got extended. I truly don't see Allen Robinson staying with the Bears after the season. 
But as for the deadline, they should have shipped him because it's very unlikely that he that he stays with the Bears. Uh, I'm very shocked. Very, very shocked. Uh, I'm not... More, I don't know if I'm more shocked whether Allen Robinson is on the Bears or whether team... or. Let me rephrase. I'm not... I don't know if I'm more shocked about the fact that the Bears decided to stay with Allen Robinson and not try and get anything for him or if other teams simply did not pursue or even ask about Allen Robinson. I find that to be very hard to believe. But... Allen Robinson, overall, stays with the Bears to see what he can do for the rest of the season. Another big picture uh, <laughs> tends to happen during the draft as well. No help added for Aaron Rodgers. The perfect addition. I, I had two in mind. Will Fuller, when he comes back from injury, would have been very good as a number two for the Packers. Brandon Cooks, a veteran with great, great receiving attributes. Could have been also perfect for Aaron Rodgers. They just need another guy across from Devontae Adams. Yet the Packers front office refuses to give it to Aaron Rodgers. I mean, geez. Uh, It's crazy. Because it's so obvious what they need, yet they just don't do it. Uh, And maybe it's less obvious to us, and maybe maybe we're just overthinking it. But I feel like it's very straightforward that that the Packers need somebody across from Devontae Adams. And, and unfortunately, at the deadline, no help for Aaron Rodgers. And that's that. Chargers are riding with their current backfield. They have Roundtree. They have Joshua Kelly. They have Justin Jackson. They have Austin Eckler. It's a very solid group. I, I think that Austin Eckler is obviously an elite running back. But outside of him, I'm okay with some of those players. But I do think they aren't really great for those you know off plays for Austin Eckler whereas I think a guy like Marlon Mack would have been perfect behind Austin Eckler you know to take you know Austin Eckler running to the outside getting these little screens uh, and so on and so on Marlon Mack would have been the bruiser and that would have been perfect for the the offense now I'm curious again same situation as Allen Robinson were teams pursuing Marlon Mack or were the Colts refusing to trade him I'm like a thousand percent sure that the Colts were trying to trade him they were trying to showcase what he could do. Uh, that you know, before the trade deadline, they were giving him carries. They, they were tr- trying very, very hard to showcase Marlon Mack, and you know, in hopes to get even a fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round pick anywhere in that region. Trying to get anything. They have a loaded backfield. They still have Jordan Wilkins. I don't know where he is. He might be NA or or just uh, in- inactive. Who knows. But just they, but Naeem Hines is great. Naeem Hines is a very, very solid change of pace running back for behind Jonathan Taylor. But Jonathan Taylor is more than capable of carrying, you know, twenty. He's more than capable of having twenty touches a game, whereas Naeem Hines can have anywhere from five to five to ten. But after that, I don't really think you need anyone else. Obviously, for depth purposes, just in case one of them gets hurt. But Marlon Mack should have been traded. I'm very shocked he wasn't, and I'm shocked that the Chargers didn't go out and get him. One of the biggest controversies at the deadline, there was no suitor for OBJ. Now, this is very shocking because I thought he would find him. I thought the Browns would trade him somewhere. And unfortunately, at least for me, the Saints did not get him. They were in talks, but they just couldn't reach an agreement. But there's other controversy. Odell Beckham Jr.'s father posted a video of a bunch of players where Odell Beckham Jr. was open and Baker Mayfield simply would not throw him. Basically, 
OBJ's father called Baker Mayfield out for not throwing to him at all when he's open. And then it was clear that Steven, uh, Kevin Stefanski, the head coach of the Browns, and the OBJ cut ties. They are no longer interested in playing for each other anymore. Thus, OBJ is being released, and he's going to either be claimed or signed with a team after being released. Now, some potential suitors for him. You know, I could see the Patriots being one. He, he's made it clear that he would like to go to a contender with a competent quarterback. Now, I would love for the Saints to get him, but right now we do not have a competent quarterback. Trevor Simeon is simply not that. Uh, if Jameis doesn't get hurt, I think he comes here 100%. You know, LSU, he has those Louisiana ties. But now the more likely scenario, especially with Hunter or, uh, Henry Ruggs not playing for the rest of the year, we all know what happened in his situation, absolutely tragic. OBJ would instantly become the wide receiver one in Oakland and could really, really help out Derek Carr. I could also see him going to the Patriots. You know, I talk about Allen Robinson to the Patriots. Would have been perfect for Mac Jones. Odell Beckham Jr., I believe, would suffice as well. And then the last team, you know, uh, Seattle's talked about potentially picking him up. Uh, I could see Seattle going after him. I could also see the Packers going after him. But I think the most likely scenario is the Raiders. I may have said Oakland earlier. I meant Las Vegas. But... OBJ, somebody we all thought was going to get traded at the deadline, just didn't. Uh, so he remains with the team for now and is going to be released. If it, Actually, I'm pretty sure he is already released, so let me correct myself on that. I don't know. It's a very confusing situation. Regardless, he's probably going to end up on another team relatively soon. Essentially... This was one of the most boring trade deadlines in recent memory. The only cool thing to happen, at least from my perspective, was the Saints trading for Mark Ingram and having Alvin Kamara, Mark Ingram, boom and zoom, the Crescent City duo back. I, I love it because he, Mark Ingram is a, a is loved everywhere in New Orleans. Honestly, he's loved everywhere in the NFL. But to see him and Kamara back with each other, two very good friends, it, it, it it'll make a grown man cry. But uh, other than that, I think Melvin Ingram from the Steelers was traded to the Chiefs, but man, just a brutally boring trade deadline. So we move on. Those are your, those are your post-trade deadline woes. I, this is what, why I said that. It's just, it was an awful deadline. I mean, really, when I say nothing happened, absolutely nothing happened. Uh, moving on. I'm going to give you my updated NFL awards rankings. Now, I did that, and then I, I did this a couple weeks ago, and I, I think I only did MVP, Offensive Player of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, maybe, and then I said I was going to continue it after, and I just <laughs> I just never did. Uh, so now that we're halfway through the season, I think it's an appropriate time to fulfill all those things. So for MVP, I think it has to be Brady right now for number one. I also have a top three for every single one of these, so I'll run through them. I think right now it has to be Tom Brady. I mean, he's looked pretty flawless all year. Did have a rough game against the Saints, and I absolutely love that. But, he, he, you know, on the season, 2,650 yards. He's on pace for 5,000 yards. It's very possible that he gets it. 25 touchdowns, only five picks, a rushing touchdown as well. He's got a 6-2 and two record. He's got the lead in the NFC South. I mean... He, he's your right now he is your NFL MVP and it's crazy because he's 44 and he's still doing all this stuff and he's doing it with ease it's just wild to me uh very impressive though 
Uh, it's it's honestly a spectacle to see somebody at his age performing at such a high level. Nothing but respect, but he, like I said, he's your MVP right now. After him, I'd say Kyler Murray. I mean, they got an 8-1 record, 7-1 with him. Colt McCoy obviously just got the win for him. But, you know, 2,276 uh, passing yards, 17 touchdowns, only 7 picks. He also has 147 rushing yards and 3 touchdowns. Actually, I feel like that's not... I feel like that. I feel like he has more rushing yards than that. I would like to confirm that that statistic is correct. Give me one moment, please. He does only have 140, 47 rushing yards. I felt like that was a little low for him, but he does have three rushing touchdowns and, like I said, seven-one record when he's healthy. Cardinals as a whole, eight-one record. Definitely second in MVP voting right now, at least. Matt Stafford got to be third. I, I consider Lamar Jackson, but just the stats aren't quite there. I like what I'm seeing from him, but it's just not quite there. Matt Stafford, 2,771 passing yards, 23 touchdowns, only six picks. A 7-2 record currently. Uh, They're right behind the Cardinals in the NFC East. Having a phenomenal season. Could very well win MVP. It's very possible that he wins MVP in his first season out of Detroit. He's fine. Cooper Cup is everything that he needed. Uh, you know, he's had good receivers in the past, but just this whole system and finally having a good defense, it, it, it's everything that Matt Stafford needed to, to thrive. And I'm not saying he never thrived in Detroit. He still was very good in Detroit, but everything else around him, you know, he never got a chance to win, ever. So it, it's good to see Matt Stafford doing well. Always, always been a fan of him. Offensive Player of the Year. Uh, probably would have been Derrick Henry easily right now, but unfortunately he's probably out for the season. Very tragic. Uh, it hurts my fantasy team a lot. Probably hurts a lot of people's fantasy teams. Um, sucks. It really sucks. But, you know, you got other good guys that, that are making a name for themselves currently. I think number one right now has to be Jonathan Taylor. I mean, this guy has been efficient well, comfortably. Very comfortably over five yards a carry. He's got 140 carries for 821 yards. And he has eight touchdowns. And not to mention, he has 23 carries for 293 yards. And a touchdown. He is over 1,100 scrimmage yards already. He is having a an incredible season. Uh, finally, the Colts are using him appropriately. It took him a couple games this season. And now he is just rolling over defenses. 100% my offensive, at least my opinion, he is Offensive Player of the Year right now. Right behind him, and I do think it's close, Cooper Cup, incredible season he is putting up so far. 74 catches, already over 1,000 yards receiving at 1,019, and he's got 10 touchdowns. I mean, he he's on pace to, to break 1,800 receiving yards and, and well above 15 touchdowns. I'm not sure he hits the 20 mark, but he is having a phenomenal season. You know, I said earlier that Matt Stafford, uh, Cooper Cup, has been fantastic for Matt Stafford. Well, Matt Stafford has been fantastic for Cooper Cup, vice versa. Uh, Matt Stafford is everything that Cooper Cup needed. I'm just saying things in backwards from when I was talking about Matt Stafford. The connection that they have is absolutely amazing. They look so clean. They look so smooth when when they're playing, uh, you know, connected to each other. It's almost like they're thinking the same thing all the time. Cooper Cup finding open space, yards after catch, everything. Red zone threat. He has been everywhere on the field this year. He is 100% the offensive player of the year, right behind Jonathan Taylor. And then after that, I have Lamar Jackson, who I consider an MVP, but I don't think the stats are quite clean enough. Uh, while he does have a 6-2 record, he 
he does have seven interceptions, but why I say offensive player of the year, he still has 2,209 yards and 13 passing touchdowns, but the crazy part is, in under 100 carries, he has 600 rushing yards. That is wild from him. Uh, you don't really see quarterbacks do it that much. It's very possible that he gets 1,000 rushing yards again. I believe this would be the second or third time in his career. He has two rushing touchdowns as well. Not sure if I mentioned that, but I think overall, you know, with the passing and the passing touchdowns and the rushing and the rushing touchdowns, everything combined, the good record. Uh, record usually matters for MVP sometimes. Uh, I just throw it in there to put it in perspective of what, how their team's doing and what are they doing for their team. Uh, Lamar Jackson, he's had a couple of comeback wins this year as well, something a lot of people didn't think he could do because everyone wasn't sure whether he was a, a good passer or not. But he's having a very good season. I put him in the Offensive Player of the Year category at number three uh, solely because just the turnovers have been eh this year, seven interceptions and only pa- 13 passing touchdowns. As a quarterback, he is playing the quarterback quarterback position. I do believe Brady, Kyler Murray, and Stafford are all above him. But I think Lamar Jackson fits comfortably in the third spot for Offensive Player of the Year. Next, we got Defensive Player of the Year. Number one, I got TJ Watt. Should have won it last year. I'll stand by that. Love Aaron Donald. Easily a Hall of Famer. One of the best defensive players of all time that I've ever seen. TJ Watt still should have won it last year. Well, I do think Aaron Donald had a great season. It was, I'm still very shocked by that. But right now, I think TJ Watt leads it for 2021 season. He's got 34 tackles, 11 and a half sacks, three forced fumbles, two fumble recoveries, four pass deflections, 11 tackles for losses, and 18 QB hits. I mean, he's all over the board with his stats. He's been fantastic, very consistent. And not to mention, and I'll say, Miles Garrett is number two on the, this list, and he has 12 sacks. TJ Watt, I believe, missed three games as well. So the fact that he's putting up these kind of statistics in less games, just wild. Again, everywhere on the field, when he's playing, he is just so dominant in so many aspects. He is a phenomenal player. Can't wait to see him play for a long time. He's going to he's gonna be one of the, you know, he'll be a top five defensive player for, for many years to come. On the other hand, we got Miles Garrett at number two. Like I said, 33 tackles, 12 sacks, one pass deflection, 12 tackles for loss. And I believe that leads the league and 23 QB hits. He's also having a very good season. I believe it's going to be neck and neck going down the line between them two. There's other players who have been good, uh, defense players who have actually been fantastic. But unfortunately, they're just not racking up the statistics like TJ Watt and Miles Garrett are. They are having spectacular seasons. And number three, might call me biased, but I'm putting Demario Davis on here. You probably won't see him on any list. But he is having such an incredibly underrated season. 59 total tackles, going to have well over 100. He has three sacks as well from the linebacker position. Also four pass deflections, has been phenomenal in coverage. He's got nine tackles for loss as well and seven QB hits. He's been everywhere as a linebacker. He is the reason we have won so many games Why our defense has stood so strong in a lot of these games where it's been close. And he's just a phenomenal player. I don't believe he gets enough recognition uh, for the things that he does. He has been a top five, arguably top three linebacker since he has joined the Saints. Everything that we needed, we lacked linebacker consistency, and he has been phenomenal. I think just the fact, the impact that he's had on this defense, and and the you know the fifty nine tackles, three sacks, four pass deflections, nine tackles for loss, and seven QB hits. I mean, again, just covering the stat board all over. I'm putting him on this list. A lot of people probably won't agree, but number three, Demario Davis. Oh, well. 
Offensive Rookie of the Year, pretty clear hands down in my opinion. It's got to be Jamar Chase. He has 44 catches for 835 yards and 7 touchdowns. He's been phenomenal all year, obviously. We had the controversy of whether he would be good. Uh, he experienced some drop issues in preseason, and clearly that hasn't been a problem. Uh, although last week he did fumble and have two drops, I believe. But on the season as a whole, he's been fantastic. There's no denying that. Uh, the offensive rookie of the year, the, the rookie class this year isn't really, outside of Jamar Chase, maybe Najee Harris, who I'll talk about in a sec, and especially even on the defensive side, there's not, it, it doesn't feel as competitive as it usually is. But Jamar Chase, he's number one for me. Najee Harris, number two, and a lot of people would probably say, oh, well, he's the best rookie running back. He's been fantastic. He's a top 10 rookie, blah, blah, blah. The efficiency just isn't quite there, and I don't necessarily put it on him. I do think that the Steelers' offensive line is folding on him sometimes, and he has had some tough matchups as well. But 150 carries for 541 yards. The yards are decent, but the, the average is awful. I mean, that's well below 4 yards per carry. You want to be typically above 4 yards per carry, so the efficiency just on the ground is not quite there. But as a pass, oh, he also has 4 touchdowns on the ground. But as a pass catcher, that's what, that has what has made him dangerous this year. His 40 catches for 289 yards and 2 touchdowns. He's been very good in that aspect. A guy that can just be on the field for all 3 downs. They don't have to rely on anyone else. Najee Harris has been very, very solid, and I think it's easy to say he's second in the offensive rookie of the year race. And then last I got Mac Jones. Not really eye-popping stats, but is playing, I think, the best best football among all rookie quarterbacks. He's got 2,135 yards, could reach 4,000 in his first season. He has 10 touchdowns, 7 picks. Not bad. Uh, I think if he cleans up the picks and gets a couple more turnovers here, that would help. Maybe he'll get Jacoby Myers' first touchdown. It's actually wild how many yards and catches he has without a touchdown in his career. Uh, so hopefully Mac Jones helps him out, but that's not the point. Offensive rookie of the year, I think it has to go Jamar Chase, Najee Harris, Mac Jones, and I think there's a comfortable gap between all three of them. Uh, I think Jamar Chase ha- is it's a, his award to lose. I think for Najee Harris, it's it's his award to catch up to, and I think for Mac Jones, while he might be the best rookie quarterback right now, I don't think he's really in the race for offensive rookie of the year. But I had to put him at three, uh, and but I just think there's a big gap between all three of them. Defensive Rookie of the Year. I think there's been some good candidates so far. Uh, we got Michael Parsons, I think 100% is leading the way. He's got 52, and he's kind of just playing everywhere on the Cowboys defense. And the Cowboys defense, although you know they had a bad game against Denver and we all saw that, otherwise has been playing pretty decent. He has 52 tackles, 5 sacks. Two pass deflections, 10 tackles for loss, and 14 QB hits. Those are very, very well-rounded statistics for a rookie defensive player who is still adjusting, technically speaking. Basically, he played a certain formation at Penn State, and now he's playing a different formation in Cowboys uniform, but he is making the most of it. Clearly, got to be number one, and I think it's a comfortable lead for him. Next is Aziz Ajulari. He is a defensive player for, or I believe a linebacker, inside linebacker, outside linebacker, not really sure, for the Giants. He might be, I think he's an edge rusher, actually. He has 25 tackles for fantastic so far. He has five and a half sacks, solid, one pass deflection, one forced fumble, six tackles for loss, seven QB hits. Another very well-rounded player. 
I don't put him above Michael Parsons because I think Michael Parsons has just been a bigger playmaker, has caused more of an impact overall. But Aziz Ajilari needs to be talked about more because he isn't necessarily on these defensive rookie of the year list as much as I'd like to see him, uh, but definitely should be on there. And again, another Penn State guy, Odafi Owe. He has 14 tackles, three sacks, two forced fumbles, one fumble recovery, three tackles for loss, 18, eight QB hits. There's other guys like Patrick Sertain and Asante Samuel Jr. There's guys who could easily make this list, but I just don't feel like they're quite there. I think these guys have been the most impactful. I mean, the Giants' defense has been pretty, pretty, it's been middle of the pack, but the one bright spot has been him. Michael Parsons, their defense is playing solid, and a lot of that has to do with my, Michael Parsons. And then Odafe Owe with, you know, the Ravens are, are having a rough time on the defensive side of the ball. He's been their lone, one of their lone bright spots. So again, that's my defense rookie of the year rankings. Michael Parsons, Aziz Ajulari, and Odafe Owe. Lastly, we got our locked in and upset pick. We are 13-3 and now on the year. Unfortunately, the Rams couldn't get it done against the Titans. I thought that was a kind of a risky pick when I picked it, but I had confidence in the Rams. Unfortunately, Matt Stafford had his, has his first very bad game of the season. And the Titans look like a very, very tough team to beat right now. However, and I'll get to it in a sec, but my locked-in pick this week is the Ravens at Dolphins. I'm going to take the Ravens. While it might be in Miami, the Ravens are the better football team, with especially with Jacoby Brissett playing. Uh, I think it might be a little bit closer than people think, but I do think that the Ravens comfortably win this one. I am taking the Ravens in my locked-in pick. And then my upset, just talking about the Titans, the Saints play the Titans in Tennessee, but I think the Saints get the upset here. We just had a heartbreaking loss against the Falcons. Uh, lost Jameis Winston. I think this team has a lot to prove. Hopefully by the time we play the Titans, OBJ is on the team, but I highly doubt it. Don't expect it to happen at all. But I would love to see the Saints upset the Titans. I think it's more than possible. It depends on how our defense plays. Hopefully we can get it done. But those are the picks I'm going with. Ravens at Dolphins, taking the Ravens for the locked in. And for the upset, Saints at Titans, taking the Saints, riding with Saints Nation. Who that baby. And that is going to conclude the episode for this week. I hope you guys have enjoyed. It has been a pleasure bringing NFL content to you guys, whether it is fantasy football, MVP rankings, any kind of rankings, recaps, anything. I enjoy it so much. You guys have no idea. Stay tuned. Make sure to check in. Follow the Twitter. Enjoy. Love you guys. I just have one last question. Are you guys down to football? 